Welcome to the Zanbergen Report, where wealth strategies and pop culture collide, featuring your distinguished host and certified financial planner, Bart Zandbergen. Welcome to our show of dream chasers and wealth makers. We are thrilled to be back in the studio today with a new episode of the Zanbergen Report. I'm proud to bring in the movers, shakers, and difference makers who are passionate about what they have learned and what you need to know today. And today I'm very pleased to have repeat guests, Katie and Andy Cherkowski. Hey, guys, thanks for being on the show today. I'm so excited to be back. Yeah, it's great to be back. Yeah, Yeah, awesome. Um, And if that name rings a bell to anyone, and for those who are looking at YouTube, you might recognize both of them as they are frequent contributors on Fox News, CNBC, Fox Business. I see you guys all the time. Now, do you ever... um, you ever get stopped on the street and someone like recognize you? <laughs> no, not well, once. No, but not you know once? what's funny is I do get a lot of like followers and things like that after every oh, yeah. news hit. So yeah. when I'm on, then like a random rush of people will yeah. like find me online. That makes sense. That's that's about it. But I, even that's kind of going a little far for like a yeah. random news commentator. <laughs> I, I like when I like when my friends send me a picture from the gym, like old days i guess yeah. they're at the gym and they see me come on yeah, right that's like that, that's random. about that's about as uh, yeah. as no, much as you get no yeah there's not like a, a lot of uh, fame to be had with it right <laughs> <laughs> well for those who didn't hear them first time around their their background is is actually pretty amazing first of all um they have five kids <laughs> and they're all young so um that in lo- alone is amazing that they were able to pull that off and they're owners of a prestigious law firm in orange county and that focuses on complex federal litigation, including some of our nation's most serious criminal and civil rights cases. Uh, Andy and Katie have remarkably similar backgrounds. They both began their careers as officers in the U.S. Air Force. They both also served as federal prosecutors. Sorry about that. Between the two of them, they successfully prosecuted murderers, rapists, and international drug smugglers. That's my jam. (laughs) <laughs> and I, I do. I remember that about you, Bart. Yes, we've got lots of crime stories for <laughs> My you. God. Pick up your podcast. Uh, okay, so in addition to running their international law firm, they are both, as I mentioned, regular commentators on Fox, CNBC, and Fox Business, as well as contributing editors, uh, editorial writers for USA Today. They host a very engaging podcast called Legally Bound, where they discuss love, law, and politics and some of their most popular podcast episodes include interviews with past clients discussing their incredible crime stories. Again, that's my jam. In addition, they have a growing library of in-depth consumable videos on big legal and political issues on their YouTube channel, Legally Blondish. That's right. Great name. <laughs> All right. So much is going on, and I know we don't have a limited time, so I want to start with probably the most current. And like Katie said, I'm, like I mentioned, Katie, I t- only caught like 15 seconds of you with Neil Cavuto the other day, but this whole GameStop, Robinhood, Reddit, um, I think for some people it's probably very confusing. Oh yeah, I saw a lot of people were kind of just wanting to know what happened. So I think, yeah, yeah you probably can explain that better than <laughs> I can in terms of the actual stock market piece of it. So yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, so um, I really want to focus on the legal, but let's just, I think for the benefit of the uh, listeners, I'm just going to describe what kind of the basic concept is. And so what you may have heard, if you know anything about this topic, is short selling, right? And that's what kind of caused this whole thing. And again, this is an endorsement of one thing or another. It's just a definition of short selling. So someone who um, wants to sell a stock short will go to their broker and say, I want to borrow a share of stock or share multiple shares of stock. I will pay you someday. In the meantime, I'll pay interest on those shares. And the hopes of the person who is selling short is that they will be able to buy the stock later 
at a lower price. Okay. So with that, with that kind of um, horizon, what happened? Yeah, it was <laughs> incredibly crazy. So like you said, there was this a bunch of short sellers, um, hedge funds and all, things of this sort that wanted to sell this GameStop stock short. And there's a group online on a website called Reddit. So it's kind of a forum or community kind of forums. And one of the forums was talking about Wall Street bets. And essentially what happened was this group of people got upset, or at least that's so the story goes, they got upset that these hedge funds were trying to short GameStop. They're, they're all gamers. They like GameStop. They wanted to bet big on it. And so they had this plan, which ultimately overthrew these hedge funds to essentially increase the value of the stock. Okay? I think so that's bought, the most he, hilarious yeah. part is that you've got a bunch of gamers <laughs> online who get upset over the idea that their beloved GameStop and, and it, it could go under. That's what people are doing. They're betting against this company, this retail brick and mortar from succeeding. And they're so offended by this that they want to <laughs> essentially save this GameStop business. I, I yeah. don't know, but that's what happens. And yeah. then they put them in a short squeeze. Yeah. Right. So yeah, so basically because this online forum caused the stock price to skyrocket, then all of these hedge funds suddenly were losing money by, you know, the second, literally, because the pr price was going up and they were going to have to pay on all those shares. So <laughs> that was only part of the story, though. The bigger part of the story was really what happened when these retail, re I guess, retail investors, right, wanted to keep buying more shares. And then that brings in this app called Robinhood, which basically is used by a lot of people to trade because there's not fees and things like this. Mm -hmm. So suddenly Robinhood, who, you know, bills themselves as being this kind of common man's like forum for trading, trading platform, yeah. yeah, shuts off the ability to buy any more GameStop shares. They say you can only sell, no more buying. They shut it off completely and people just go crazy because <laughs> essentially there was people that wanted to keep buying shares. There was the idea that they were essentially making this, the stock price rise up through all this buying and suddenly they cut it off. So people were like, what the heck happened here? What's happening? So that's well, where you get into the legal stuff, right? And that's really where the legal stuff comes in because what you have to understand is what was going on. So the company is overshorted. So it's it's 100 plus percent are in short positions. So that means it's very difficult for people to buy their way out of their short. And that on the other side, somebody needs to sell. And the whole idea with this Reddit group is that they were holding strong and they wanted to run this price up infinitely um, with ideas of it going to a thousand or ten thousand dollars. <laughs> I think they said at one point that if they could get the number to something like thirty-two thousand dollars a share, that it would actually bankrupt Wall Street itself. Because with a normal stock, when you buy a stock at $100, if it goes to zero, you lost $100. Correct. Okay. Yeah. But if you buy, if you short a stock at $100, you can lose infinitely because it can get just keep going up and up. You're borrowing it. It's on credit. It's on credit. And so right. when it goes to 200 now you've lost $100. Yeah. But when it goes to 1000 or 10000 you've lost infinitely more plus all of the interest in the time that it took you to sell it. I'm not going to do that math for you, yeah. <laughs> but it puts it in the many, 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 many billions. Yeah. Um, dozens or maybe even hundreds of billions 
are, are being lost by these hedge funds because they're being squeezed and can't sell. So they're trying to do whatever they can, presumably, to get that stock price back lower. And if Robinhood was in cahoots with them, which is potential, and we'll talk about that potential, yeah. but if Robinhood is in cahoots and they allow you only to sell it, now people are going to realize other people aren't going to be able to buy. Obviously, people are going to get panicked and sell driving all of those Robinhood users, those retail users out of the market, driving the prices lower. That's the only logical explanation for why you'd kind of right. make the, the trade on one side. To me, we've got billions on the line. Bart, how many years would you go to jail for a billion dollars? I would say the rest of my life. Maybe you want right, to right, get right. out for yeah. a few minutes, for maybe to then. enjoy. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I'd a billion dollars is even yeah, enough to like good. sacrifice. Just let it be. Oh, oh, I said I thought how, I, I, mean, I misunderstood yeah, the question. If, if yes. To rob a bank for, yeah. for a billion. Oh yeah, well, I'm not going to answer that question. Right, but thank you. That's a good idea. <laughs> As a criminal defense attorney, <laughs> yeah. I, I, mean, I put you in a I tough position. Yeah. yeah. Most people would take some time behind. Yeah, I think a lot of people if it would work out. But so the point is, I think, because you kind of didn't really say what you're talking about. The idea on the legal side, after all the discussion of what this all means is what, you know, what did Robinhood do? They shut off the selling or the buying, right? They, you could only sell. Right. And so they say now there's some excuses being lodged about, well, we weren't, we were oversaturated. We were just overwrought. The system wasn't prepared for this. We couldn't because we had clearinghouse requirements, all this sort of regulatory stuff. And that's why, is that true? Uh, well, I think we'll all find out. And then the second question is, or did they do it intentionally because they are they robin hood this platform mm -hmm. is really in cahoots with these hedge funds because these hedge funds are big investors in these in in this app in particular so that's the question on the what i would say the criminal side or even the regulatory side because the sec can find these companies you know millions upon millions of dollars so if there's any evidence that robin hood and their ceo and leadership was speaking to any of these hedge funds that were in short positions that there's going to be a bad look. It's going to look like there's some conspiracy to shut out these retail investors, which is market manipulation. I think I think it would be proven to be in that uh, in that point, don't you think? I was just going to ask. It sounds like market manipulation. Yeah. Well, I think you've got two different ways to look at it. You've got a market manipulation potential prosecution, which is much more focused, kind of SEC regulatory, tends to be in the in the fine side of things. But you can see jail time for those for that type of crime. But I think that there's, but that crime requires some degree of intent. You see that in like pump and dump type of situations mm -hmm. where people pump up a, a stock and get out before others think they did. Uh, actually, it doesn't happen. You, you There's no pump and dump law against bad talking a short position that you have. So you can do a reverse pump and dump. <laughs> Uh, that's not legal advice uh, yeah. in okay, all <laughs> circumstances, but generally yeah. speaking, that's the same the law that- The idea is that you're talking about the valuation of the company and why, you're, why you think it's overvalued. You're yeah. allowed to say that, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, on one hand, you have the you have market manipulation, but the other side of it is the same law that, uh, that prosecuted people with college admission scandal, and it's called honest, honest services fraud, and it's a type of- mail fraud, the idea that crossing state borders, you're promising some sort of service and you're doing it in with some degree of fraud. And so Robinhood keeps pointing to their contract that says, oh, we can cancel and 
you know, change things in the terms yeah, last we can minute. Terminate trades like whenever we want for any or no reason, that sort of stuff. So but you've got people really. talking like contract law, like it says here, you consented yeah. to this. But really, if the if the act is fraudulent, if you're serving a criminal purpose in doing so, it the you can't agree to illegal terms yeah. in a contract. What is the process to determine whether this was then fraudulent or if there, there was that intent? Right, right, right. So that's exactly the question. So yeah. now, you know, you hear from Congress, there's a lot of people calling for investigations. The SEC is doing investigations. Um, and then there's going to be the DOJ, whether the U.S. attorneys, and I think there are a few U.S. attorneys that said they were looking into this. They're all going to do these investigations to essentially look at what happened. Why did they shut off? trading on this stock or on a particular amount of stocks, why why did that happen? Was it really because they didn't have the money? Should they have had the money? Was that like reckless enough in and, in and of itself? Or, or was it more sinister? Which I think, you know, we can say if it was, and if there, in my mind, and I think Andy as well, we've talked about it, if there was any evidence of collusion or conspiracy, then I think it's, it borders, it is criminal. I think that is criminal. I don't see any other way around it. Yeah, I'm actually even stronger on that. You, you hear like Dave Portnoy from uh, Barstool yeah, Sports, yeah. or you know even Mark Cuban. Those guys are real fired up about it. Pretty I am outspoken too. about it. Yeah, yeah. I, I am too. I, I think Katie's uh, a little bit more conservative on what will happen because I think she's right. From a practical perspective, we don't see evidence right now that the U.S. attorneys, where where you would expect them to be, are jumping down this like they could have been raiding Robin Hood office Thursday or Friday of last week. I mean, they could have been there shutting it all down like, you know, uh, uh, Wolf of Wall Street style. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they should have. I mean, I mean, I don't mean to talk too much uh, by way of, of kind of what's going on in, in politics in America right now. But, you know, we, we tragically saw George Floyd die at the at the hands of police officers this summer. That was over an allegation that he had passed a counterfeit $20 bill. The, the police were on it and they're arresting it. If you look at, back at what happened last week, if there's not equally as much suspicion, I mean, why else close down just one side of the trading like that mm -hmm. with so much that Robinhood has on the line? They've got an upcoming IPO and uh, all sorts of, of different things moving with with them and these, the idea that so much is on the line, and if they could get that price down at all, people were saving tens of billions of dollars. And I think I there's a lot of incentive to do that. I mean, like I, it's going to have to be show us the receipts here. If you're telling me that you had to shut this down, that it was shut down because it was impossible to not. Yeah. Which again might be culpable in and of itself, but not quite as criminal. But I would be I would be surprised if they weren't making some decisions here. Well, and I think that's where even if it's not an intent to commit the crime itself, if they took a shortcut, if they didn't have enough money to fund the things that they were into, you could still see that honest services fraud, that same idea that, like parents were helping their kids cheat on the SAT and so they went to jail on that. I mean, that's that's not a, a federal thing that they are usually involved in. Um, but same sort of thing. So. If there was, if they didn't have enough money and it showed that they were being fraudulent in how they were moving that around and representing that they could do these great trades for people, they're in big trouble. Mm. Mm. So, and I say this without any political bent at all, but free market, right? At the end of the day, let the market go where it goes, right? Well, that's what we all thought until it looks like there's some different rules for, you know, market makers and regular people. So yeah. I don't know. I think that's probably the problem here. But it's interesting because right now it seems like it's like all regulatory. So I don't know. But you, know you know what seems ironic? Robin Hood. 
right? <laughs> well, like yeah. from the rich give That's to what the they poor. Were it feels. They confronted. I mean, Cuomo interviewed um, the CEO, and he they, he confronted him about that. I mean, the fact that it was like very ironic, of course. Yeah. But you know, he this guy's been giving interviews left and right. Ugh. The as, CEO as a criminal defense Hood, attorney, I gotta cra- tell him to, to stop. Watch, <laughs> it makes me think that his general counsel don't have experience in criminal law because. If I was the general counsel looking at this case, and maybe this is the the lesson to be learned. If you're hiring a general counsel, you want them to have at least some good criminal law background. Uh, Because if I was looking at the case from a criminal defense perspective, I would be very nervous. I would be very concerned about every word that's uttered, about every email that was sent, every Slack communication, however anything went out there, I would be terrified. And even if nothing was out there, I'd still be terrified (laughs) about what was to come because it it looks like a bank robbery. If I was a prosecutor in a U.S. attorney office, and we used to be former federal prosecutors, if I was sitting in one of those offices right now, I would be it would my boss would have to be calming me down. (laughs) You'd be salivating. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'd be very excited. (laughs) Right, right, exactly. So what legal lessons should investors take away from this? Wow. Well, um, you know, I think we have to see how things sort of play out here because if this was just a glitch, if it was an honest mistake, I guess then there's not a lesson. But it's interesting to see how people on the Internet can come together and do something like this. I mean, I don't know why everyone was so surprised, but I think it was the first time that, you know, these hedge funds got basically punked yeah <laughs> so, like internet punked yeah right. internet yeah. punked. i mean it was it's pretty massively impressive and it's almost it's kind of funny really but yeah. crazy as long as you don't have a position i mean it. as long <laughs> as you're not involved right oh my gosh yeah. no kidding right but yeah it definitely is surprising because it was so uncommon it was i mean it's never happened before well, there's the great onion squeeze of like the 1950s or something where the, honestly, there's now law that prevents this sort of thing from happening because there was one case, you know, 60, 70 years ago. I can't remember if it was the 60s or 50s, but there was a, a situation where there was a, a a squeeze on onions. And so now you can no longer short onions in some way or options or I don't know exactly. Even today still? Still, it's still a law. So we'll see whether the law comes out on this. You know, I think I think the lesson here is with regard to risk in the market. I mean, you, you have to note that even where things have, have never um, showed up as a problem before, if you're in a risky venture like a short, that yeah. it has these possibilities. And I will tell you that the people who are trading in those hedge funds, they know I mean, I, I remember the first time I bought a short, you get all these warnings and it's, you know, you, you kind of realize, oh, whoa, yeah. this is this is different. Um, I, I mean, they understand the nature of what a short squeeze is. It's yeah. it's kind of taught, I think, to some degree as, as this great legend of what can happen. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, risk. I, I think that's the lesson. Yeah. And I'll add to that. It reminds me of one of kind of my favorite just principles in investing is, is hope is not a strategy. <laughs> that's, a good, that's good for a lot of in- industries. I think I'm going oh to make that part of our, uh, our <laughs> what we tell our clients. Wow. Yeah, I'm trial. definitely taking that. I like that. <laughs> All right. Well, we have time. Let's. Um, we do have time. We have a few more minutes. Okay. Um, also, relatively recent, this couple of years, oh, years, a couple of weeks ago, the um, the Capitol riots. Yeah. So again, let's not get political. That's not what this is all about. But there is, there was some legal, I think, legal issues that that happened. Um, um, were you actually? I don't know. Were you interviewed on that? Did you? Have yeah, to, yeah. You know, Andy and I actually wrote, co-authored a an editorial for USA Today about the Capitol riots. And I, I mean, the 
the essence of that on the legal side is that the people that storm the Capitol and other people that, you know, believe certain ideas about the election, okay? So that's where it all stemmed from is that there was challenges initially lodged to the election results by Donald Trump and by supporters. Now, I'm all for challenging elections, and we mentioned this in the article as well, that, you know, American people have to feel confident in the outcome of the elections and that, you know, there has to be inquiry into allegations of abuse or fraud or anything like that. And that's all legitimately true. You should look into those things. And if true, then, you know, things can be undone if that's if that's proven. But in this case, you know, as we all have, have seen at this point, the election has been challenged many times. There's many courts that have determined, hey, there's nothing that happened here that's actionable. And that's because there's there was not enough evidence presented to sustain that. And I believe that personally. I mean, I comment on Fox News. I'm considered a right wing commenter, commentator to some degree. Right. <laughs> um, but the, the reality is that, you know, the law is what it is. And mm-hmm. so people were told, supposedly, by Rudy Giuliani and some other attorneys in, on the Trump team that there was still these viable legal angles to go, go after the election and that this was all fraud. That was not true. So to the extent that people were being kind of given misinformation or disinformation Misled. legally, I think that's very, very unfortunate. And, and I think that's more than unfortunate. I think that's really not right. So we talked about that a lot. So, yeah, yeah. And, and it's really the focus on on why, even though Katie has taken uh, very much consistent right right leaning um, political positions on Fox News, and I have too in in some instances, although I'm a, a little bit more moderate. But the idea was, look, the legal challenges were all legitimate, and and they were looking at a couple of things, you know, was there fraud, but even if there was fraud, was it in the quantity that it would have to be in order to reverse things? And there are these very specific legal standards and there's reasons why it didn't make it to the Supreme Court and and whatnot because of those very specific facts. And so while there were concerns and while there was evidence of fraud in certain places in certain quantities, it was never enough from the view of any of these many, many multitudes of courts, yet you still had attorneys, which I think bothers us because as much as the stories are told about attorneys, we do have very specific ethical obligations to be honest in in our brokering and and our representation of the law. And so it it is very concerning to see that sort of misinformation that ultimately led to to violence. And now we'll see if that leads to uh, the conviction of Donald Trump. So let's talk about that. Um, So impeachment. So this is the the kind of the follow-up to that. I did not have a clear understanding of what impeachment is. I won't say was, is. Um, So impeachment is the beginning of a trial or initiation of a... a Think of it like, I think of it like an indictment. It's the bringing of the, it's the formal bringing of the charges from one house, from Congress, and it's referring, it's sending it over to the the Senate to actually hold the trial. So the Congress gets to send them to trial and then the Senate gets to hold the trial. Okay. So it's not, um, it's not a a guilty verdict. It's just the right. beginning of a trial. Right. So that's why you can hear people say, oh, he was impeached Peached. because he was impeached because right. the House voted yeah. to impeach. And that's kind of the first part of that process. And then you have to be convicted in the Senate to actually face consequences for that. So if, if he, so if anyone is convicted at the end of an impeachment process, what is that term called? Or is it still impeached? It, or? It's, it, you've, you've been 
Oh. I actually don't you've know. Been I think, convicted. I think I, you've just been convicted at, at an impeachment trial. <laughs> oh, you stumped two wordsmiths. This oh. is what we do. We come up with words all day. I, I, I would, I, yeah, I would think there would be a term, but I am not yeah. familiar. Okay. But yes, yeah, so if he is, in fact, convicted, the question here, of course, is, well, he's not in office. So, so what happens? We all know that the big push is that he could never be in office, right. and that would be why they're furthering this Which seems to be the motivation for this impeachment. That's what correct? they say. That's what okay. they say. Now, <laughs> in your in your humble legal opinions, um, did he do anything that was an, an impeachable offense? Oh, impeachable offense. That's a whole different thing. The idea of an impeachment is political. And so it's, it is no longer about specific elements of a specific criminal code that have to be proven. So it's it is a it's not a truly legal question as long as it fits the the general definition of of what an impeachment can be for, which is high crimes, misdemeanors, um, and other things like uh, uh, seditious types of acts. It, it right. has a, so in this case, discrediting the office basically. Right. Exactly. Yes. So they they did it, and and the terms, if true, you know, if he incited. A uh, an insurgents yeah. on the Capitol. Sure, that's I think unarguably a a potential reason to be convicted in an impeachment. But the idea is, was it criminal? So you know, first, does he have a First Amendment right to how he's speaking? Um, you know, you can't yell out fire in a crowded theater. You can't incite people. There's you can't still cause limitations on go. what you can say, even though we have freedom of speech, even sure. in public. Years, right? Yeah. Like yeah, Andy's saying. I, I, I think that the – I think it's a little bit of a stretch. If I was prosecuting him in a criminal case, you know, if, if it was kind of more just based on those facts, I think it would be tough to get a conviction on him. I think somebody like a Rudy Giuliani who was more on a stage directing people to march and saying it at the same time that he's uh, spreading false information, that is a – that's a different uh, analysis. And so there hasn't been a move at this point yet that I've seen to formally prosecute uh, Rudy Giuliani, although there have been discussions of it. But right. I think between the two of them, he is more culpable. Mm. Than if at all, President I mean, Trump. the defense is it was all pre-planned. There's no incitement right. unless true, and it, it, because you couldn't incite a pre-existing event. Right. I so mean, if the group already had planned to do it, then now, you didn't incite them to. <laughs> yeah, but are you then part of the conspiracy? Yeah, so you can charge it different ways. I mean, they could yeah. be creative, but I think the evidence, and this is based on what I heard from Trump's le new legal team. Yeah, he be, had, correct. Yeah, he had yeah. a changeover at the last minute. Yeah. That, that's going to be a big part of the defense is yeah. this is pre-planned. There's tons and tons of message boards and back-and-forth communications. This was all very elaborately planned. Trump's words are very – if you're talking about the specific words, yeah. they're going to be far – you know, stretching those to reach that. But like Andy said, yeah. Giuliani's a lot more uh, on point about it. I mean, you think he even said, what did he, what was his specific quote? It was like, it was like trial by something. Oh yeah. Tr uh, trial by combat. Yeah. By co I mean, that's, that's pretty, that was his call. It trial was, by this combat. Should, this should seems, be resolved by trial I mean, by combat. That, that is a yeah. call to arms. That's a call to violence. Yeah. That's a, so that's that, a real problem. I feel like, you know, that's much more I, I don't think Rudy Giuliani was doing uh, President Trump any good when he was in office. I think his new legal team, I heard some of their arguments today. Yeah. They're cogent. I mean, they're avoiding the ideas of bashing the election itself, and they're now turning more to the politics of, right. of the doing this. Right, the correct strategy. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that that's, uh, as long as they're able to keep that tone, that'll probably be just fine for them and successful for yeah. former President Trump. How long do you think this will go on? 
Well, I, I'm not really sure. I think it's supposed to start soon, the trial, in, in next week or something. So I think Bart, it, we need them to keep talking about it because that mm. will feed additional <laughs> yeah. appearances uh, yeah, on yeah, Fox yeah. News. Now we know how news <laughs> is made, right? Right. Yeah, I think, it, I think it should be pretty quick. But there's also the argument of can they even impeach a president who's not in office? That's another strategy I heard. But I'm uh, not familiar enough to comment yeah. on that myself. All right. I think they're going to do it anyway, whether they can or not. And the Supreme Court maybe will say later on, no, you can't actually do that. Yeah. But Right. Well, it should be interesting. We'll see. It should be interesting. We've got a few minutes. Can you indulge me with a few minutes of a great murder, drug, any sort of a story, either recent or, or old? Sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. I love it just okay. right off the top. Well, Katie, ha- I'll, I'll do. We'll do it as a as a pitch to our our show as well. Our right. our podcast, uh, Legally Bound. I think our very best, most interesting episode is a two part episode where we talk about our client, Colonel Dan Wilson, who was convicted wrongfully at trial, not with us at at his side, but Katie represented him through his appeal and convinced the appellate court to undo his conviction. Uh, and it dealt with a very serious, very, very heinous allegation of, of child-related sexual uh, offenses. And Katie was able to prove a man who had been convicted innocent. And it was something special. So uh, Katie, tell, tell yeah, just a, so a, a little bit of that story. And so, so on our podcast, we actually did a two-part interview. So Dan actually tells his story um, all the way through kind of the legal process. And a lot of people have really enjoyed listening to it um, because he, yeah, he was exonerated by the appellate court. So yeah, so he was um, a very senior ranking officer in the military and was convicted of a child-related offense um, and was in prison when he hired us. And um, we (laughs) went through the appellate process and he was actually determined by the court to have not been guilty, not on a legal technicality, but this is very interesting in the military courts. They actually have a way that the appeals court can relook at all the evidence, kind of like another jury, and make a new determination about whether the evidence was enough to support a conviction beyond a reasonable doubt. And the court here said no, that absolutely not, the evidence was not sufficient enough. And so it wasn't just that, yes, he got out because the you know prosecutor screwed up or something. It was literally a determination of exoneration, which is very rare. So that story is very, um, I think, inspiring to a lot of people. What, what, but, was, what was the hook? Yeah. What, what do you think you were able to, what fact showed the appellate court that, they, that the <laughs> well, trial jury got it wrong? You know, it, it, was very, it was very interesting because the court actually came back on a completely different theory than we had even presented. Um, it was a kind of a combination of theories, but it was based on all of the pretrial interviews of the um, child victim, alleged victim, yeah. non-victim. Um, and basically the inconsistencies because there was so many inconsistencies. And when you're, um, you know, being a witness in a trial, you don't have to always be perfect. Um, everything doesn't have to be always consistent, but there comes a point when there's too much inconsistency between, um, statements that Uh the courts cannot rely upon it. The credibility is completely diminished. And in this case, there was four separate statements that were each inconsistent in and of themselves. And two of them did not describe a crime at all. So to the extent that the courts below were picking and choosing the, the statements to rely on, um, the, the appellate court said that that would not suffice. Um, and that, that's kind of the legal technical way to say, um, yes, the, the witness was giving multiple, multiple versions of stories, and they were some were criminal, some were not. 
all over the place and it was insufficient even for a child witness which is a different standard of course but sure. yeah and so it was a crazy story yeah um, unbelievable you should yeah. uh, i'm gonna check it's, it out it's, it's yeah. worth checking out and, and <laughs> when you get into all the details and understand yeah. you know what goes into a trial like this and all of the participants and all of the people who have their whole hearts and lives into it and then to this, this man went to jail. He was in jail for three years. And to hear his story about how he maintained faith in it all, it's quite inspirational. Wow. And to hear Katie explain it as she did here, that's one yeah. thing. To see the brief and to see every word that was yeah. labored over and every part of that record, to get a, a case overturned, it, it's remarkable. So we go over that on, on the show. All People right. should definitely tune in. If, if you like a, a true crime story, uh, that's one that is, uh, that's really special. All right. That's next up on my... Uh my morning listen legally bound <laughs> all right i know we're out of time um guys thank you so much for being part of the show today i love being on the show super yeah, thank excited you for it's having great us. it's great to see you yeah you too it's been a while right i know um how can people reach you or connect with you uh, our law firm is golden law so you can find us online at goldenlawinc.com but really check out our our youtube page which is uh, legally blondish there's really great uh, clips up there uh, our podcast legally bound it's a lot of fun we talk about all sorts of things we talk about these legal stories we talk about some of the politics but from a, a way that isn't overly political we kind of talk about the education behind it and how we form some views that aren't aren't uh, affiliated with any party specifically. So that's nice. And then we talk a little bit about our, our personal life. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, the, the more people that listen, the better. Yeah, for sure. And I know we got the name Legally Blondish from you, Andy, right? Yeah, it's, right, right. It's obvious. <laughs> yeah, my my gray hair. That's his channel. <laughs> I, I heard my, Katie's great on that channel, though. She has really amazing videos where she educates on basic civil rights. And it's really cool. A lot of people who, you know, wouldn't typically be interested in it have have given unbelievable feedback about just how cool it is to understand some of these things that we talk about, like, you know, Fourth Amendment rights or your rights to remain silent, just basic fundamental things that you kind of know from grade school or you hear about it kind of in, in the news. And, and until you really hear it from a, a, a seasoned criminal defense yeah. attorney, uh, you, you don't really understand it. So it's, it's really great content. Awesome. Can't wait. All right, guys, again, thanks again. Thanks and I want to thank everyone who's tuned in this week. We look forward to be back in the studio next week. Cheers. Tune in next week for the latest edition of the Zanbergen Report, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Catch up on our recent shows by visiting podcast.bartzanbergen.com. The Zanbergen Report is also available on iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Interested in being a featured guest on our show or have a question you'd like to hear us answer? Email podcast at bartsandbergen.com. The contents of this podcast episode do not constitute an offer of securities or a solicitation of an offer to buy securities and may not be relied upon in making an investment decision related to any investment offering Access Wealth Management LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Access does not warrant the accuracy or completeness of the information contained herein. Opinions are our current opinions and are subject to change without notice. Prices, quotes, rates are subject to change without notice. Generally, investments are not FDIC insured, not bank guaranteed and may lose value. Brokerage services are offered through to Sarah Capital, member FINRA.